I'm Casey Canton here with JD for another episode here on DownrightCreepy.com. Um, how you doing, JD? Oh man, I'm great. Let me tell you, it's been ten. No, it's been eleven years since we had our last <laughs> time. <laughs> well, we've done episodes since, but since we went on our original run, yeah, it's been eleven years. 2011, because you sent me the link to look back at the old um, yeah. episodes. It's been 11 years. Can you believe that? It's crazy. Uh, the site's been around for 13, 14 years now. It's amazing. I don't know why, how or why I keep doing this. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good thing you do. Uh, get the news out there. But I will say that a lot has happened <laughs> in 11, in 11 years. years. Yeah. So bear with us, people, because we're going to cover 11 years in this first uh, podcast. This is um, a 18-hour uh, podcast. So exactly. Strap in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I tell you what. I have been... In the previous 10 years, I have been uh, brushing up on my podcasting skills. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've been listening to podcasts. Okay. Um, I listen to um, Jim Cornette. Okay, yeah. Wrestling, he's a, he's wrestling, a wrestling manager. He's a wrestling guy. Um, I listen to two of his podcasts. And I've also listened to... <laughs> <laughs> Just two. <laughs> well, no. He has two different, years, he has like, two different podcasts. I listen to a couple of podcasts. He has two different podcasts. Oh, um, oh, okay. I listen to weekly. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. Hot Boxing? Yeah. Hot Boxing. It sounds like that's some sort of weird spa. Yeah. Well, the one of the great quotes that I heard from Mike Tyson, let me just lay this on you and you can think about it. Mike Tyson once said to one of his guests, how old do you think you'd be if Julius Caesar <laughs> had not decided that there were 365 days a year? <laughs> he asked that to his guest? Yeah. I do know this podcast. He I was high. He was clearly high. But <laughs> it's how old box. do you think you'd be if Julius Caesar had not decided that there were 365 days Probably a year? Probably like 75 because yeah. I feel like that's the condition my body's in most days. <laughs> Yeah, me, t- me too. Thirty-five years older. So anyway, uh, you. Uh, so you've been listening I'm s- to. I'm glad to be here. So <laughs> I like that. That's where that went to. What a hard transition. You said you've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Have you watched many movies in those eleven years? Oh man, I've watched uh, many movies. I've yeah. watched. Uh, uh, there was a w- one movie <coughs> called uh, Green Inferno. Okay. You yeah. ever watch that? Yeah, that was like six, seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, I like that. That's the last thing you could think of. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna go great. The last movie I watched was um, Black Phone. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll talk about on a future episode. That's right. Excited to talk about that. I am excited to talk Ethan about Hawk that. Ethan Hawke is a bad guy. Well, yeah. on today's show, what we're gonna talk about about Stranger Things season four. Everyone's had a chance to watch it. There's no more spoilers. I know personally for me, I had to speed watch it whenever I possibly could. I couldn't binge it, but I had to find times in my schedule to sit down and watch it because I didn't want it to be spoiled. Uh, they had a booth set up, several different cool toys and limited edition merch that was there. They had a uh, 11 figure that looked like a Demogorgon head, which I thought was kind of cool. It was limited to, I think, 500 made for four or $500. Um, so some really cool merch like that, cool booth. Um, I've always wondered why they didn't go more in, like Netflix at Comic-Con. 
they really haven't. They've had maybe some panels and a booth, but it's never been like a very immersive experience. They've never had a heavy footprint there. Like I seen Apple TV or effects or anything like that. So while I say this is perfect fandom for Comic-Con and, and fans of Comic-Con, it's a pop culture phenomenon. Um, they, they really haven't had a big presence there. Um, the very first year that VHS case you see up on the top shelf there, I did a scavenger hunt for Stranger Things. It was out a week for season one. It had barely been out yet. I hung up missing Will Byers posters. I had the Twitter account for Downright Creepy Rotten Rentals on there and told people to find clues, follow us. And I did blind drops of those VHS cases that had nostalgic things inside that kind of related back to nostalgic hints that you saw in the series like Evil Dead poster, aliens, like references like that. And then I tweeted out, people had to form search parties to find Will, and I would drop these VHS cases in random places at Comic-Con, and they had to follow Twitter to find the clues to find Will. Uh, the cast got involved a little bit. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, David Harbour was like, I love this. And Noah Schwepp was like, help find me, or this is so cool. And uh, his dad, Lonnie, at the time, remember Lonnie back in the day, who's kind of the asshole dad, uh, stepdad. It was like, uh, help find Will. Lonnie really cares, like the actor that played him. <laughs> so I had like a lot of like, interaction. Cool. And IndieWire thought it was Netflix. And they're like, the best, the most genius marketing campaign goes to Stranger Things. And it was just me it was at Comic-Con. Doing something in three days after I binge watched the series in one day, came up with the idea, came up with the execution of it on the plane. When I landed, started hanging up missing flyers, and the next day I was tweeting out clues, and it was like a hit. And Chris Hardwick got one of these, and the Duffer Brothers saw it on Chris Hardwick's podcast, um, and was like, "Where'd you get this?" And he's like, "I don't know. A fan gave it to me at Comic Con." Wow. Um, so it was a really interesting thing. I say all of that because Netflix has never really had a presence. They weren't even there that year, and people thought it was Netflix uh, that was doing it. So, Did you get any credit whatsoever? I mean, it was a fan activation for yeah. you know our website. Yeah. So Netflix didn't care. They hadn't even got into licensing yet. I think the Duffer Brothers owe you some. <laughs> of anything, they'd come back for me and IP and be like, hey, that's our IP. Why'd you do that? But at the time, they oh, didn't yeah. really have a licensing department for merch or anything like that. Hmm. And it was a few months later that they took, and they look, they would have done this anyway. It's a vintage show. And there were so many low-hanging fruit that they could make merchandise off of. But the box set that was at Target of the DVD was in a VHS case. Like, oh, wow. like that. Right. It was oversized. Uh, so all that to bring up that Netflix has never really had a big footprint there, uh, which is just interesting for a show like this that feels like it would thrive. But we also had the pandemic and whatnot. So... We wanted to jump into the part two of this and talk about Stranger Things season four and then take a look ahead at what season five might have in store for it. So you and I both finished it recently, as with, you know, millions of other people, became one of the most streamed shows on their platform ever, um, which kind of makes sense after a two year hiatus. I was curious if there would be drop off, you mm -hmm. know, with any show. Game of Thrones did that for me when I was like, God, it's been two years. You guys... I get it. It's an extensive production, but like, what are you doing? And they came out with what they came out with. Yeah, and I, and it was <laughs> fine, right? Um, that this was pretty, pretty this, terrible. This is way better. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the world building they were able to do with this. So anyway, we want to talk about a little bit about maybe maybe each episode or nuggets of things that we liked 
maybe some things we didn't like. But I think overall, we generally did like it. So do you want to maybe kick us off with something? Uh, you know, we get Eddie Munster. <laughs> uh, Eddie Munster? No, we don't get Eddie Munster. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even getting Eddie Munster in the Munster movie coming <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, we'll talk about that on the next podcast. But uh, Munson, you know, we get the addition of him in the Hellfire Club, uh, which is huge. I saw Hellfire Club t-shirts all over Comic-Con. Yes, and and I tell you what, what an enduring uh, storyline this becomes, but one of my favorite scenes, and I, I think this was in episode one, if, I'm, if, if it's not, please correct me, one of my favorite scenes of the entire uh, season was them in the cafeteria. Yeah, early on. Where you kind of meet Eddie, and he's acting a fool, and doing all kinds of weird things in the cafeteria, and then you could tell that he has um, some kind of caring for Mike, who, by the way, is just an awful character, Mike. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, Mike and Dustin, the nerds. Yeah. And he cares for him, but at the same time, he's that tough leader that is going to kind of bully him a little bit. And um, There's a little bit of hazing involved. So you, like you establish that relationship pretty quickly, and yeah. uh, that's one of my favorite scenes of the entire season. Uh, it's so simple, but it really builds, effective. It builds everything. Right. The whole foundation of yeah. a lot of the show is in that 10-minute scene. Absolutely. Something else just with the Hellfire Club, um, since that kicks things off, and that is the, the episode name for, for number one, it really signifies the whole series as a whole has had a rise to D&D in pop culture. And this was, you know, hearkening back to when the boys were playing it in season one, and it, it kind of is a club meeting for them. It's not the Hellfire Club, but it kind of is leading up to this um, storyline and kind of club that they've got now, but we see we see it everywhere since Stranger Things season one came out. And you had Demogorgon and the D and D. It's consistently had a rise in popular culture. Sure, like people that would have never, you know, thought about playing it or like, no, that's too geeky or nerdy, are interested in it and invested so much that they've got you know a weekly meetup or maybe a monthly meetup. Yeah, um, um, I, I I teach in a small school. Yeah, and we have. A D and D club at, school? at the school. Oh, dude, that's awesome! Now, Especially now, I, I shouldn't say it's that's not through the school. All doesn't uh, matter. But though. kids it's that are at the club. school, they and this was way before. This was like two years ago, right? When I found this out. Yeah. Um, they get together every two weeks or a month or something, and, sure. and, and play D and D. They have a campaign amazing. that they get. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, for what it's worth. Uh, doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter what class of, you know, society you're in or anything like that, or you know, what your special interests are. There's a common thread of just, like, community, I think, that gets, and club, mm-hmm. uh, and just friends. You know, we get together with all of our friends and go to the casino, like, right. a couple times a year. It's the same type of thing. Uh, this just happens to be with D&D. And for what it's worth, you're in a rural area, mm-hmm. which I feel like maybe, for some reason in my head, seems even more interesting. Yeah, uh, that D and D would ha- you know there'd be a D and D club. It's reaching it's everywhere. everywhere. Its tentacles are absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, D and D casino, same thing. <laughs> Risking uh, your life. Both can ruin your life. <laughs> uh, the I mean, this is coming out in you know spades because you also had before Stranger Things, Game of Thrones, and you got the Dungeons and Dragons movie that's coming out. Um, so it's just everywhere and i remember growing up you know in this era that they're portraying in stranger things my uncle playing D, and at the time it was looked at upon as like satan and devil worshiping and what is because it was fantasy and it was it, it, 
dealt with maybe the demon or devils or whatever the case may be uh, and always wanting to play it with my uncle but I was like five or six and I didn't understand what they were doing and I made my own out of cardboard and like glued some moss on it and like had a board I made and had plastic characters that I think he had and he had the metal ones he painted and ran him through a campaign and did something stupid like touch the cauldron <laughs> oh I'm alive again and he was so annoyed by it when I was wow. the dungeon master right because uh, I didn't know what I was doing. So, yeah, it's it's really cool to have seen this kind of influence out of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and with a character like that that's so endearing. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, get into it more later, but the relationship between Dustin and Eddie just becomes one of the best things about the show. Yeah, so. ever. Yeah, absolutely. In the show's history. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the enduring friendships, in my opinion, in all TV that I've watched. I mean, it's... It's uh, it's up there. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so we get the rise of the Hellfire Club. We get the nerds and popular kids, kind of a division. We see that early on, too, uh, between episode one and two, between the jocks and the nerds, uh, if you will, and the cross-pollination of that with Chrissy and Eddie. Right. And that's when things go awry. Um, and again, really the pulse for the entire season is that scene um, because it is good against evil in a sense, um, but in real life, mm-hmm. <laughs> not in D and D, but yeah. like with class societal right. issues, which is also just interesting because it's true. Right, like it's something you can relate to in real life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 you're almost pulling for the underdog. The the underdog, even though he's a druggie. And he's right. selling drugs. Yeah. You find yourself rooting uh, for him to become friends with this girl because she's the cute, popular cheerleader, sure. or whatever. And then you got this nerd who clearly comes from a dysfunctional past and and, and all this. So it's lives with again, his uncle. And, it's yeah. a great way to uh, endure the character to the audience. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I hadn't really thought too much about the part where he's like, he's a druggie, and you're like really pulling for him. Yeah, I mean. Um, he's... Really, he's not. If you were, but he's very level-headed. Yeah, it's just it's very strange. He's so. he's not a kid that if you were in high school, you would probably want to hang around or be around, and you'd probably be a little scared of him because he's just comes from a bad home and well, he, he puts off that energy and, a little bit. Right, that he wants you to fear him. Right, a little bit, or yeah. to at least question. Yeah, like the mystery of Munson. One of those kids that maybe he's scared to get close to anybody because of his. His yeah. past, so well, he puts off this aura of, I'm a scary guy, and or I'm weird, or whatever. It's also kind of funny because I've seen a meme go around where it was like, "Oh, I wish I knew an Eddie Munson." And they're like, "You did, oh, you yeah. did know an Eddie Munson. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody did in high school." Right. I kind of teetered between both worlds. I had my foot in both of those pools. I feel like mm-hmm. because I came to a high school where nobody knew me from a different feeder school and came in kind of worried, upset, but I was kind of weird. Trying to kind of get my voice, but then I kind of mingled with everybody, so I I could relate to both sides of it in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely was rooting for well, Eddie, Eddie through. Like you said, there's an Eddie even in, when in Lucas in was on, uh, right? The there, dark side, if you will. There's an Eddie in every high school, and um, you just don't notice him. Yeah, you or just don't take the time to notice him. Yep. You know, or you don't want to. Right. One of the two. Right. And it comes to find out, you may reach out to that person, try and talk to him, try to get to know him. There's probably more in common there than you think. And yeah. who knows, you may end up in a D&D. Yeah, I remember we had a kid in, together. In, in, uh, in, in my high school that was a lot like 
Oh, and, every yeah, everybody did. And I reached out to him one time uh, in lunch, and uh, it turns out he's just a weird bastard. <laughs> I mean, that happens. Yeah, let's let's be honest. They're not all Munsons. Like they can't be, right? No. Like just no. like all the jocks are not all murder killing, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> like homophobes or whatever. Right. They're, uh, but still, yeah, yeah, people are people are usually more complex than than uh, what you know is on the surface than the sure classes that we put them in. But, Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, let's all this to get to uh, Vecna's Curse episode two, uh, which just Let's just start with Vecna in general. What an awesome creature design! Oh that yeah, was. the 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 creature design is absolutely amazing. Um, and I thought that Vecna as a character and what you find out about him as the season goes on was one of the best things about this season. I think to have a good show, you have to have a good antagonist that has an interesting backstory, mm-hmm. and they accomplished that pretty well in this season. Yeah, the way they go about introducing the character. Very complex storyline of like uh, flashbacks and present tense and how they build that world up. And then you still get a reveal that's shocking and kind of made gave me goosebumps right. like when you find out the actual or, origin story yes. of where he comes from. Like, holy shit, I don't know if I saw that coming. Uh, I, I, I didn't um, until right before. Then yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, man. I never. It so was never so, hinted so at so, so much that I would have been like, "Well, yeah, it's it's coming." Right. I'm just like waiting for the card to flip, and when it happened, I was like, "Wow!" I I never saw it happening. We've already had the character introduced, mm-hmm. but to be able to do it in that way, I'd have to think about. It. I'm sure it's been done before, but it's not done that often. Right. Where you have a reveal that's halfway through when you're already so kind of intimately involved in a villain. Mm-hmm. To realize there's an origin story wrapped in the other core story yeah. that's happening. It was really interesting to and and, and speaking of his origin story, of course the um, his father is played by yeah. the great Robert England. Yeah, and which great was, cameo, which was appropriate to me because Vecna himself gave me the Freddy Krueger vibes very much. Absolutely, just yeah. the look and the voice and the dream state that right. the victims go into and almost hypnotic state and convulsion um very much reminded me of don't go to sleep right don't get under his spell or you'll fall into his world and he controls you there yeah i think i think the only difference is uh vecna probably wouldn't do very well on the uh stand-up comedy stage (laughs) yeah he could use a little more would but dark comedy sensibility about it i hope they don't go that route oh god that would take you out of this (laughs) that would take you out fast Uh uh but yeah man robert england's cameo i knew it was coming because it was announced I didn't know necessarily what that meant because, you know, it was announced early and you don't know what the stories are and that kind of thing. So you kind of, I kind of knew it was coming at some point, but until you see him in the makeup and you hear how he got into that makeup with his eyes and it was a really well done thing. It also gave me, um, Silence of Lamb vibes Mm -hmm. when they're walking in to talk to him because you don't really know what's going to happen and he's creepy and the way it's set up behind the glass and prison and psychiatric type of thing you got the two women coming in the detectives like nancy drew almost like um i did not know that was going to happen i had no idea robert oh, yeah England you didn't was hear about that yeah not a clue and then i got to look in and i'm like looking for a second and i'm thinking who is this guy he looks familiar well, yeah because you don't and necessarily I said, know i said t- said to my wife that's freddy krueger she goes no so then we paused it and sure enough under the under the makeup it was it was old freddy so. robert england yeah there yeah. again 
there's rumors he might consider doing Freddy one more time, and I would be all for that. Because hmm. it's going to be so weird. They've got all these franchises, very side tangent, that where you have to have kind of different villains eventually portray these people and iconic characters. And for whatever reason, even with makeup on, Robert England is Freddy Krueger. Yes. You can't replace him. No. He's still the bone structure, the look. Um, there is an independent artist. I'm blanking on his name right now. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Very great, like, prosthetics, uh, mannerisms. He could play Freddy Krueger if they did it. Mm. Wouldn't be like Robert England, but it's as close as I think you could probably get, uh, especially for, like, a fan that's just portraying it. Right. Fantastic. Jackie, he, Earl, Jackie Earl Haley is what we're thinking. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. bad. He was different, and I think... I think that he was put in an impossible situation where anything he did I agree. that was different than Robert England was going to be looked down upon. But to be fair, I know it's a side tangent, to be fair, they could have done a way better job on his makeup to help him. Like, the look of yeah, him wasn't probably. even great. Probably. Like, that didn't help things right off the bat. As soon as he appears on screen, you're like, he looks like a melt, more melted version and somehow. And he's a, he's a rather small guy. Yeah, I mean, a lot of actors are. Like, Robert England, though, is not, I don't think he's big. <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to have Robert Engel come back for one more Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's going to be tough once he's gone. Uh, but yeah, a great cameo here. Um, I th- that happens much later. We kind of skipped around a little bit, but yeah, it ties into the Vecna uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we, we eventually get into the monster and the superhero, which is where we get kind of the reintroduction that Hopper is in Russia, and we start to get that storyline start to play out more and we understand it more. This was the weakest part of the season for me was mm. the Russian storyline with Hopper because it just felt like it dragged on forever. I am going to disagree with you. Wow. I think it's the second weakest. Okay. And I'll talk I about weakest, weakest later. Link. But um I didn't think it was great. Um I didn't mind it though. I didn't mind it until the conclusion of this storyline. Really? Then I really... But I do have a couple of things that I want to talk about at the end. Sure. That when you look back on this show, and especially with this storyline, you wonder, the Duffer Brothers... That's their names, right? The Duffer, <laughs> yeah, Duffer, Duffer Brothers. brothers yep. um, obviously very good writers. Yeah. Obviously, and inspired by Stephen King and all kinds of stuff. Um, and they do, they do a great job. But man, they... There are some things that they forgot. Okay. With this storyline in particular or there in are general? Some, there are some holes. Oh, gaps and stuff. That I've been doing some research on. Okay. And uh, I'd like to expose those. They've already been exposed on the internet. Um, Let's hear them. I don't I'd think I'd like I've, to I've... expose those at the end. Not right oh, okay, now. I'd okay. like to expose them at the end, a little teaser. To wrap up and, there. And, uh, and some of them have to do with that, that particular storyline. Um, I will say Brett Gelman is fantastic and carries the entire Russian storyline. Who's Brett Gelman? Brett Gelman is uh, Winona Ryder's buddy. Oh uh, yeah, he's he's he's. Uh, what is his name? Good. Murray. 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 Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, no, just Murray. Murray is fantastic. Brett Gelman does a fantastic job. I actually find between Gelman and Harbor and Ryder, Winona Ryder's the weakest link because it's just so generically. Uh, like her role is just so generic to me. It is since um, since the earlier seasons. There's not a lot to work with there because flatline. She's always shocked about everything. Well, like, <gasps> I, I think in the in the in the earlier, especially in season one, she had a lot to work with because yeah, way different she character. Was, I feel like. You know, um, 
the mother of a missing boy. Yeah. So she, you know, that, that's a that's a that's a role that you can really sink your teeth into. Um, that's a good point. Material makes a big difference. But now she's just kind of been dwindling, and uh, now she has to find Hopper. And I mean, it's just kind of she went from a very kind of coy homebody to yeah. now all of a sudden she's like a American agent almost, and it's kind of like yeah, eh, it's just kind of weird. It's it's kind of off putting almost. Yeah, and like, that's not Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, I think of Winona Ryder, I think of Beetlejuice, and I think well, of, sure. Uh, uh, Edward Scissorhands, yeah. all these shy, kind of coy characters. And I don't think this is her strength. I, d- I really don't. Yeah, I, and it's not a knock necessarily on her. I no. think you made a great point about material making a big difference in storyline right. because first couple seasons, I loved her. Um, and Hopper, I can believe a transition into this because he's always been on the edge of, like, di- didn't really care about a lot of things and kind of a tough-minded person at least. So I could see a transformation if he gets put in a scenario in a camp like he was, that he could bring out that type of personality. But yeah, you're right. She does become kind of an agent. And Brett Gelman's just like, Murray's just comedic relief yeah. all the time. And it works well for me. And I don't know why. It does for me most of the time. Sometimes yeah. I feel it's forced, but most yeah, of the time I, mean I the, think it's 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 pretty good. The black belt like or purple belt yeah. thing was funny but yeah. at the same time like what right right, right, right. <laughs> they did they didn't mention or like um reference that earlier i think in season three that he was trained like in karate but that's all it ever gets mentioned it's like a one-off comment i thought right uh and now it comes to like fruition um and then we have enzo who is the prison guard yeah um which i really liked he's actually the hall of faces in game of thrones game of thrones yeah. which i actually did not put two and two together and i was like yes Mm -hmm. i like this character better because it's more in depth and right it's it's not just blank face yeah Uh, i like the conflict there and you know at first he's just doing it for money and then he grows to like the american and uh i thought that was pretty cool yeah pretty cool storyline their pairing was actually really good yeah i liked it the chemistry the playing back and forth felt believable and like you Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of see that develop more and where it goes um whereas uh, Murray and Joyce, I was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Well, I was just glad to see, as far as Enzo is concerned, that not all the Russians were evil. Because <laughs> right. so far, well, so far all the Russians had been evil. Well, so to be it was, fair, it was it, the military and like... Right, so well, it was nice to see a Russian that isn't evil. For once, no <laughs> Drago. Or <laughs> right. I mean, because, especially with the situation right now, it, it'd be For so sure. easy yeah. to... To put them in, Lump all everybody. Russians are evil. Yeah, um, they're just being lied to. It's a stereotype, mostly. and here you have this guy who is more complex. I thought that was that was good. Yeah, good addition. Dumb American. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that kind of introduction, the monster and the superhero, uh, where the Hopper Russian storyline really gets to shine. Uh, unfortunately, that burns out for me pretty quickly, but. Uh, episode four is called Dear Billy. Um, I don't care about Billy. I never I thought, really have. Really? I thought that his... Like, maybe the first... Sacrifice with the Mind Flayer at... What was that, the end of season three? Is that how that worked? Yeah, I believe so. Um, and then we re- we get it kind of... I thought Replay cool. it again. Right. Um, kind of in flashbacks. And when she visits, visits his grave and whatnot... Um, I just, 
like initially kind of an interesting character, kind of weird and um, intriguing that the mom is drawn to him sexually when he's yeah. at the lifeguard of the pool. Right. Kind of makes you feel uneasy. Like, is, wait the, a minute. I thought this was like weird. kids kind of fantasy show. And now I'm getting this. And I'm like, oh, wait, everybody's growing up and well, things are getting more mature right. themes and that type of thing. But I never really loved Billy in any way, like as a villain, as a protagonist. So I don't know. Like the Dear Billy thing didn't hit for me as hard. I, I think um, that um, personally, I, I liked I liked the relationship there between Billy and Max and how he just always tormented her and he was just an awful guy. Yeah, it, awful goes, guy. it went like beyond civil and rivalry though. Yeah, it was <laughs> it awful. Was and uh, you're right, abusive. It was, it, right, and, and and it was so odd for me. A couple things about Billy that was that were so odd. Number one, the mother was attracted to him, and a lot of the ladies seemed to be attracted to him, but. The way his hair was and like his mustache. I mean, that was the era, though. But even in that time, was that attractive? Yeah, that sure. It looked, that it, seriously? What are we he, doing here? He was oiled up, man. Yeah, he was oiled up. That's true. He was like, well, I guess if you put oil on yourself, wrestler. Yeah, that's true. And so he had like the deal there and mustache and <laughs> the deal there. <laughs> it was just. It was Points just. It was just. Crotch. It just looked odd to me. Like it didn't look something yeah, that, that would Camaro. be appealing. Um, his it, jean jacket. I mean, that was epitome. Yeah, well, of that that stuff. Yeah, but time. like just the way he looked didn't. He had the it's attitude, man. I don't. I don't know. Were you aroused? I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't aroused. Well, no. But so I mean, again, I was like, I just didn't like Billy as a character per se. He was just like he to me. He's like the Negan. Ah. <laughs> Of The Walking Dead. He well, then gets introduced, and I'm like, I don't then were, know if Were I care. you impressed when well, I liked it at he first. sacrificed himself? Uh, I, thought, I thought it was, actually, to me, I thought that was kind of a, a, a reach. The sacrifice? Because, yeah. yeah, because... Because you're such he a... He didn't care about her that much. Well, no, he didn't care about anybody, right? No. So, to go from that, I mean, it takes a big event, but I guess a demonic creature chasing you, and <laughs> that's a pretty big event. Sure. So... I don't know. Really? It was just always something that, whenever the flashback of him comes, or like even in the even in the, uh, I don't know if it's in Dear Billy or if it becomes in Nina or a later one. I think it's much later, where like the demon version of him inside Vecna's world, right, comes out and is like chasing her, and mm -hmm. I don't know. So was this the episode where Max is first caught in Vecna's lair? I believe. That is later. Okay, well, I'll save my I comments then. I think I can't remember. I I can't remember if Dear Billy's where she goes to the grave. Okay, I feel like that is where because she's reading back, right, a letter that she wrote to him at his grave, and at that point, and I thought that's when she, she is. She escapes. gets in. Yeah, she gets okay. in. Okay, you're right. Yep. It so is. I tell you, this was my favorite scene of the whole season, where she gets trapped and and loved it, and then they play Kate Bush. Yeah, and she's running. Up a hill. Right. And through the dimension hole. I thought that was awesome. What a great, great scene. And where things are collapsing Loved around it. her. Yes. But um, what is... So... It made it, Kate Bush $2.3 million. First of all, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I did listen to it on Spotify a couple times. She did a, uh, what a, what a duo with Peter Gabriel. What was... Can you uh, give us a little? Don't give up. Please don't. Give up. 
that sound like Peter Gabriel should have made the two point eight million if that was the message being conveyed. Yeah, well, yeah, true. That's in Will's headset next year. <laughs> Don't give up, Will. But I love that song. Made uh, a lot of the mood. Chromatics do do a better version, but um, yeah, I, that was my favorite scene. Interesting. If I, you had, let, let me ask you this: If you were trapped by Vecna, and you had to play a song to free you, what would it be? Uh, probably something from Papa Roach. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. This is my last resort. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Suffocation. <laughs> no breathing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, let the bodies at the floor. I like um, it. I like it. Some sad song from Aaron Lewis. I'd probably put some acoustically. Bone Thugs. Bone Thugs on the... And I'm going to miss everybody. <laughs> exactly. That's what I would play. Twitter. Twitter. Tweet us. If you had to. If you had a an escape song... Vecna escape From Vecna, song. let us know what it would be. Mine would probably be some uh, Bone Thugs, Crossroads. Corn. Yeah. Corn. <laughs> I'm I'm literally naming off just everything I, I listened to in high school because right. my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. Gotcha. So it's fresh in my head. Um, so that was my favorite scene. One of my favorite scenes of the whole season. What? What? I mean, why? Was it just the I I felt that it with was scene. No, or? I really felt like, in my opinion, because to this point you don't really know what could possibly free anyone from Vecna's oh, you're grip. Right. Sure, because we've seen externally so, the results of what happens but we haven't went into that world yet when he captures max and she's in that trance and being lifted up i'm thinking to myself she's screwed i did too here comes a big death um and then just i like the song and it playing in the background of her running away i just thought was just very well done it was one I, of my favorite scenes i will say i do like that de- like mnemonic device of that as a force field like protector yeah around them like the song aspect of it was interesting to me um i also like how it was subtly woven into other scenes like yes she's got the headphones on but occasionally you just hear a little Mm -hmm. piece of it in the background playing just to remind you i loved um, it that it's not just her walking around with headsets she's actually listening i don't know why it's hard to explain but it was it was exhilarating as she was running away it's it's very difficult for me to um, get a, into the mode of oh man, I'm actually worried for a character, mm-hmm. and for some reason I was worried for her at that point. It's very like ethereal dream world too. Yeah, like when people describe dreams and they're like, I was running, I couldn't get anywhere, uh, or I was falling, or something like it puts you in that world a little bit of those things crashing around you. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost becomes video game like when you were watching. It, I thought it right. was almost over stylized for me a little bit. But again, you're Maybe. just you're, you're suspending disbelief in the entire thing. Right. Like, what the fuck are these kids even doing? Right. <laughs> like, where are their parents? That's what yeah. I thought the whole time. Yeah. Every time they do something, I'm like, where are your parents? Like, I was a latchkey kid growing up too, where I was just kind of off doing my own thing for the most part, and I was an only child, so I was really trying to figure out stuff to do. But at the same time, yeah, I wasn't going around with government conspiracies well to solve I, it's funny because in one episode i mean it's Lu- very et and yeah. all these other things that get woven in and spielberg like but lucas's sister mentioned because the parents go where are all the kids and she goes well, right remember they went to a movie right. like is that always the excuse they, they went w- to a movie uh eh, yeah. yeah and lucas's gone. It's, yeah. lucas's sister's like they ain't no damn movie they're lying to you yeah or yeah, yeah that's what yeah which yeah. i thought was hilarious that's yeah what, um speaking of and i know this goes without saying but uh 
child actors. I know they're not really children anymore. They're getting into their yeah, teens, they're eighteen, one twenty, I think. But even flashing back to the first season, child actors can really make or break a movie or a show. Absolutely, and these child actors are amazing. They, I mean, they are. They really all are. All of them, really. All of them are good. Do great. Um, so that's very surprising because who's your favorite character of the core group? Um, I would include any buyers. It's a tie. Part. Okay. And I and, and I and I'm gonna go ahead and uh their relationship, Dustin and Steve. Okay. Love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Steve's character arc from being a complete asshole in season one. Yeah, you almost to forget. now is is awesome. Just you almost forget one of the best about things that. about the show. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And his relationship with Dustin is just really cool. It's hard to beat that. I mean, that's definitely the top of mine. But I was talking about like singling out a character. Uh, uh, if I had to single one out, probably Dustin. I'm kind of in that same boat. He's a he's a great. He's actor. great. Uh, he's on Broadway right now doing a show, and I can't think of the name of the show. Um, yeah, he's doing Broadway work now. Well, when you when you flash back to season three, and we'll talk more about some heartbreaking scenes in in in, in this season. Yeah. But when you flash back, I think it's season three. I could be wrong. Maybe it's season two. I don't know. The finale, the dance. Is that season? Oh two? yeah, season two or three. Yeah. Um. And all the girls are rejecting him. Yeah, you you honestly want to cry. It's like, I know this yeah. this kid is just he's so good. I don't I don't know he's so good. Yeah, he's got a range there. He does. I don't think we've seen him fully tap. I yet. don't think any. I don't think the rest of them have the range that he does. I think quite honestly. I think Caleb. They're all great. I think Caleb that plays Lucas does. I think Maybe. he can have some. Really Maybe he just hasn't had the. Well, he. I guess he showed it a little bit in this season. I think he can have. Like I think as he gets older, he could do some really great dramatic work. Sure. Um, he just seems like he's a little older than the other ones, mm. slightly, not much. Um, but I think he's got a chance to do some really great yeah. things moving forward. Right. It's always very hit and miss because there could be some kids in this cast that are just like, eh, I'm kind of done after this. Right. Now, we've already seen Finn Wolfhard that plays Mike um, already branch out and do other stuff. He was in It. Mm-hmm. Got to be honest, hated that. I just watched It recently again. Mm-hmm. Hated him in that. Yeah, I didn't. He's, re- he's just, and it's not that his acting's bad. It's just his character was written because of the original kind of character that's there, right? Source material. He's just such an annoyance. Yeah, and it's hard, I think, to authentically be annoying in a way that comes off as good acting. <laughs> right, right. When you're that age, especially, yeah. Yeah. it felt very no, that's, Sandlot that's almost. <laughs> yeah, like in an annoyance factor. But Are you now? You, what's who's your least favorite character? I mean, of no fault of his, uh, Will. Okay, but just because he hasn't had anything to work with until this year. Yeah, and even this year it was like pushing it back. Right. You know, not fully letting it come out until toward the end. But I did. I do think the scene with his brother in the pizza parlor when they're trying to do the. I think it's the Nina project mm-hmm. or the dive. The dive maybe when they're trying to get the. Um, Hydroponic, nope. <laughs> the salt? <laughs> yeah. Not the, hydroponic. So Eleven so can go be with Max yeah, or whatever? Going yeah, going to the, the further. Yeah. Um, when they have that moment in the pizza store between his brother, I thought that was great. That was awesome. Yeah. Like, that was a really great... There's several and, great moments and his, that are... his acting in the van with Mike. Yeah. When he has to turn away and... And he's trying to really convey his own feelings for Mike. Right. Um, and, and really... And Mike's not picking up on it. That's, that's my... Um, that's my least favorite character, Mike. 
he sucks. Actually, and and let me tell you why. I will say from a character standpoint, I kind of agree with you. He's just I a think jerk. from a storyline standpoint and what they've done with the character until now, Will's just been like non-existent almost. Like yeah. always dis- he disappeared and he's kind of supposed to be the focal point of season 1. Right. But he's not really cuz he's gone for a lot of it. Right. And not until the end or second half of season four, do we get some like emotional depth out of him? And then you start to feel sorry for him and like yeah. it's heartbreaking. And we'll get to it later, but season five might be big for him. So. Yeah. But you're you're kind of right. Of like But Mike, he's it's just a jerk. So for example, if I'm in a van I mean he shows some compassion with my at friend, times. right? Yeah. Yeah. And my friend turns away like this and has his hand over his mouth. And here's, for me, I'd be like, oh, he's sad. Something's going on there. Hey, man, what's, well, Mike just, like, looks forward and is so obsessed with Eleven. Thanks. He's so, he's so single-minded. He just, he doesn't see what's around him. Now, I'm not saying he has to profess his love for Will or anything. We don't need to do do all that. But to be fair, he's he's thinking about his girlfriend who's in a government holding facility, (laughs) so his mind might be somewhere else. You know, teenage boys just, there's more (laughs) to life. You're right, then, then girls. Pay attention to your, you know, homosexual friend over here who's, who's having some life, complications. Yeah, who's struggling with yeah. your friendship. Or the, your mom that was, wasn't his mom the one that was uh, attracted to, no, Mike's mom. Oh, yeah, Mike was attract, Mike's mom was attracted to Billy. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot going around there, Mike. Finn Wolfhard. I yeah. just don't, I, I'm not a big fan of Finn Wolfhard. I met mm. Finn. You did? Um, How was he? Last Comic-Con before when... So I talked about the Stranger Things thing that I did, the little like scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. I did one for it, and it was wildly... Su- even more successful than that. And I got to meet them at the party before they did Scare Diego, which is when they did the it kind of screening. It wasn't a screening, it was clips and whatnot. Anyway, they had the cast there. So I got to meet all the cast from the, the kids from the show, yeah. more child actors. And he saw the poster because in that one, I put... I can't think of the character's name that Finn plays in It. Oh, I have no idea. Uh, anyway, I had his photo on the missing posters for this one with a phone number you could call for the Deary Police Department. Okay. So he called it because he saw it. Oh, that's like cool. out in the open. He's like, oh, I saw that earlier. And so he took a photo with the poster and held it up. Wow. He he was nice. I mean, it was... What, was he like 10 at the time? Yeah, he's probably like... <laughs> no, he's probably... Couldn't say much, 14 much bad about him. At most. But he's becoming a man now, so we, um, can, we can criticize him a little more. <laughs> I mean, like I said, he was nice. It was a small interaction. Everyone was nice because yeah. it's, yeah. you know, a press event. Um, I'll talk about that some other time. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're right about Mike's character. but I, And I, I say that Will's my least favorite only because we're just now getting something out of him. Right. In season four. So we'll see how that goes. But um, jumping around a little bit, the Nina Project, the dive, I think a super interesting part that was another kind of shocking moment is the massacre at Hawkins Lab. Sure. Which we start to see in season eight, or not season eight, episode eight. Well, I thought that was pretty amazing just because it was um, much more graphic than I think what we're, what we're used to with this show. For and, sure, and well, they even had to put a disclaimer, saying, "Hey, we we know a school shooting just happened, and this may raise some you know thoughts about that." You know, it sucks for that being a trigger moment, um, or potentially because mm-hmm. of the week prior right. the school shooting happened. Right. 
the thing that sucks the most is we can say school shooting happened and somebody will be like, which one? Yeah. Like if they listen to this a year later, yep. they'd be like, which one was it this week? Yeah. Like it sucks that that's the case. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, that they had to do that. But it's, I get why they had to do that because I, I don't know if consciously I would have thought about it if I had watched it and not heard about the display. I, I don't think I would have. I don't because think I would have. But. When I'm watching stuff for the most part, it's to get away from the shit in the real world. Right. <laughs> that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting that horror, sci-fi, whatever, that we can do that because they're horrific things in these things or psychological things or whatever. But we're able to, for the most part, immerse ourselves or just take our mind off of things mm-hmm. with other things that are equally horrific, but we know they're fake. Well, and I, and um, I don't, I don't, and I could be in the minority on this, but, I think that society in general, and this is kind of going off on a little bird it's, walk. It's fine, though, because it relates to the disclaimer. Yeah, I just think that, you know, it's it's nice to put that disclaimer in there. But the fact that they had to put the disclaimer in there speaks a lot about our society. Yeah. Um, we just, for some reason, we're at a point where a lot of things that are good in cinema or in novels... People just want to take them away. Um, well, exp- to I where mean, you're going to strip it down to where it has almost no connection to the real world. To some extent, I would agree with that. I mean, I think a prime example of that, though, is, <clears throat> again, complete tangent, even more of a rabbit hole. Um, but it's like banning books yeah. in school. Yeah. Like, these are not real things for the most part. They're right. fictional novels. Right. right. That you, I mean, it's it's kind of similar to the D and D Hellfire Club. Right. Oh, it's demons. It's satan. It's satanic. Yeah. It's like no. It's just like an escape, mm-hmm. a fantasy world where people can use their imagination and creativity yeah. to create something, to you know, go to another place. Right. And that's what a book is. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and it doesn't matter unless unless the book's like a racist piece of shit type of material. Right. That's promoting hate and racism right but even to an extent that's a thread in our history <laughs> well absolutely it, is. it sucks a- and yeah you, but, but it's you, a real thing to face what uh, there's uh, well, again, what do you rabbit hole what what is what what is better how do you overcome those things do learn you about encounter them. them and do you learn about them and do you try to overcome them or do you just ignore them uh that's episode seven the massacre at hawkins lab yeah um so we we haven't even gotten into what the episode is yet. We just got through the disclaimer and what happens. Um, but they set it up to where it feels like Eleven has went in and just killed everyone. Right. And they tease you with that. And that's a goosebump moment for me of mm-hmm. like, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. And and you and, and why did and, it happen? And they kind of set you up more because uh, she's being bullied by the other sure. kids. And so you're like, oh, man, okay. Gives you more context into it. And it still baits you a little bit in that sense. Because you see it first, and then they play backwards a little bit. Like, oh, okay, she got bullied. That's why right. she did it. Then you realize the real reason, which is the sleeping giant in this whole thing, right. and the turn we get for Vecna, that the assistant is actually number one of the experiments. Right. Um, of course, Eleven is Eleven. This is the original one that she thought either wasn't real or had went away based on what Papa was saying this whole time, which mm-hmm. was a lie. Uh, and that the assistant actually has special powers that are unimaginable, apparently. So, um, and they thought they could form a super team. Yeah. 
Uh, One of the things that they, I think they did well in this episode, I hate when shows force feed you. Yeah. Like something happens and they go, oh, this is why this happened. You know, yeah. and then you have to, it's like almost like at the end of a movie, the villain talks about the plot before he's about to kill the hero. <laughs> right. And this is what I was planning really to Really describes it. Yeah. Um, what I thought was awesome was when Eleven says, uh, you helped me, so I'll help you. And then she takes that chip out of his neck yeah, or whatever. Tries to pull, yeah, pull They it never up. explain what that chip did. They never explain, right? Well, the chip was... But the chip is to... Uh, control his powers right so he can't just go crazy yeah but they so, never say that i thought that was point. awesome i know yeah. that's something small yeah, yeah that's but a good they kind of let you you have to figure it out they never say oh this chip is because you know what i mean it's yeah. kind of a controlling thing mm-hmm. so but they tend to explain things quite a bit so i thought that was uh nice for just to let the viewer um turns out that was a know. bad decision yeah, very bad, very very <laughs> bad decision. Yes, we'll come back to haunt them for the entire season. Absolutely, and we'll ultimately end this series. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that in general was a huge turning point, like a mixed bag of emotions of like, oh no, eleven, what have you done to oh, you kind of got what you deserved in a sense, but you still feel bad about it, and then you realize the reveal right of the supervillain origin story so and she and she this is where she opens up the upside down right yeah and in the wall for the first him, time and then him in it. the scene of him uh, getting obliterated in like this fourth dimension mm-hmm. was pretty cool to watch yeah. well and, and him melt and kind of turn into vecna a little bit there was a theory that um that i saw on the internet that uh, eleven had created the upside down but that's not what i got out of it i got that it was there but no she, she just opened, opened up, up a gate yeah right. essentially like a portal into another universe right. or like dimension is what how I understood yeah, it. Yeah, me too. She didn't create anything, right? Because they even they even kind of show that it's a world, yeah, within it. There's other there. stuff right. within it. And of course, this is when it's revealed that um, even though Dustin had a theory earlier in the season that the mind flare was controlling Vecna, it turns yeah. out that Vecna is actually controlling the mind flare. Yep. And he's the one that is he's kind the of orchestrating everything. Yeah, he's the he's heartbeat. using the mind flayer to be able to control all the other creatures. Because it's don't step on anything in the upside right. down, or you right. might awaken Vecna. So that was cool. that which was is cool. interesting though, because where has he where has he been the whole time? True, Vecna's been there theoretically since the beginning, right? But hasn't shown his face in any way. Yeah, so that's strange odd. to me. He's she had like, to go back in time and like memories. Yeah. And access the fact that she did that. She couldn't remember. So I think that's... There's a theory going around that uh, on the internet that uh, uh, if you go back to season one, when Will was abducted, have you seen this thing? I don't... Th- well, continue, maybe. Well, it, it, it's clearly a Demogorgon, I thought, that abducted uh, him. Yeah. But it was just like, kind of like a shadow, and people are saying that it was actually Vecna that abducted him. Oh, Okay. Uh, it doesn't look that way to me, but I mean yeah. that's something they could b- go back and do. Yeah, right? in the barn or whatever. Yeah, shed. So. I'll have to go back and now I'm interested to go back and look at that. But yeah. uh, all right, let's get into Papa. Papa, because that's another character where you kind of ping pong back and forth. I feel like at least of like mm-hmm. this guy sucks, or like oh maybe he does care for Eleven, or mm-hmm. like this guy sucks again. Yeah. Even up until his death. Yeah. You feel that way, mm-hmm. like you can't really pinpoint. His real intentions, or like, yeah, he's his pretty love complex for Eleven, which I actually really like. Yeah. And Matthew Modine 
oh, yeah. does a fantastic job. He's a great actor in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, just great because he's caring and kind of warm, but also like you can't trust him. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know, he just I, I don't. I don't like him very much. Re- as a character. As a character, when I say that, I, I'm not saying that's not a good character. Yeah, I think yeah. the actor is great and everything, but uh, I just don't in the storylines. Yeah, I don't really care for him. Mm. Um, he never. He never gives me that feeling of, oh, okay, this is a guy that I could potentially like. He's just never been on, on, on my radar for that for some reason. I don't know why. Well, it only he's definitely more like 80% I don't trust you, mm-hmm. 20% like uh, maybe there's some some heartfelt things there. Well, again, there here's another plot hole okay. that I'd like <laughs> to discuss at the end yes. as it, as it uh, pertains to Dr. Brenner. Okay. But I'll discuss it. You want to wait for it? Yeah, I'll discuss it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the scene where Papa is essentially holding her against her will, mm-hmm. but she can leave whenever she wants, and then stabs her in the neck more than once. It happens too, right? Which I'm like, come on, what is what are we doing here? Right. Um, well, that whole the whole dive thing, yeah, is kind of drawn out a little bit. It kind of gets it a little is. boring. Yeah, um, that's that part was probably one of my least favorite parts of this season uh, until they get the to whole the action Russian scenes. Until they get to the action, because it's just like, okay, she's walking around in the dark, and then she's walking around, and then uh, the assistant's like, how are you, or whatever, like 20 times yeah. in a row, yeah. and it's like, oh, my gosh. But I, I There was the part of this that was kind of, and again, suspend your disbelief. It's a ridiculous thing when you start thinking about the series. But when she's trying to escape and, like, get out of there, and Surfer Boy Pizza rolls up, at a government facility yeah. that they found from a <clears throat> Dustin's love in Utah right. and found the coordinates. <laughs> like, all that's so absurd. And then they roll up and they get away from the government in the surf with guns and helicopters. Yeah. But they get away, but Papa doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and I get that, you know, Eleven has her powers back and she alters the shot um, at the from the helicopter. But it is a little absurd. Oh, sure. <laughs> more Absolutely. Than, more than absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still... Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a gut, a little bit of a gut-wrenching scene because there's a main character that's been there from the beginning, like him or not, that's laying in the desert with his dying breath, gasping as they're pulling away. Um, and there's still something about that, that it's yeah, a character that's been around for so long and it's ingrained in the series that's gone. And I'd love, I'd love the touch of um, Eleven, please tell me you understand. Yeah. And then she wouldn't say it. It's a great line. And then yeah, for her to stone yeah. face and yeah. in a moment where he's dying mm-hmm. to almost like twist the knife. In so he never got say. that piece of yeah. under, uh, knowing that she understood. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point that I'd forgotten about. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about Pizza Boy, Argyle, played by Eduardo Franco, great addition to the cast. You think so? Oh no! Are we gonna disagree on oh, this? Oh, I thought it was awful. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not. I I don't oh. like the stereotypical weed head character, and I feel like this was such a stereotype, such I mean, a stereotype. Yes. Yeah, man. Cool, dude. Pizza. Get your pizza <laughs> here. I'm gonna smoke a weed there He's and a all teenage that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Give me a break. I don't know. Give I, me a break. <laughs> there was no. There was no complexity there at all. He was just a weed well, head. No. He's and then and even in the most strenuous circumstances where they have demons chasing them or the government shooting at them. You got this guy he that's just out. like, but, but he freaked out during the shootout. Huh? He freaked out during the government shootout when they're trying to get away in the van. He's like, oh, no. 
no. I'm just saying he like acknowledged uh, that like shit's getting real and yeah. I don't know what's I, going on. I'm a big fan of uh, like Argyle. Oh, he's a fan favorite. It's just, it's just too. It's just too much. Um, it's too much. Surfer Boy Pizza. Did you know you can buy that in stores? I didn't know. I know you could call a number. I didn't know that you could buy it. There's a, you can go to the grocery store. Some grocery stores that probably isn't there now. It might be. You can get Surfer Boy Pizza, frozen pizzas. I heard it's actually pretty good. Uh, I, yeah, I just wish that. See, I don't know. that's. I wish he worked at Pizza Hut or something. <laughs> uh, make the character a little better. Netflix missed the perfect opportunity for a pop-up pizza shop. Argyle's Pizza Shop. That's true. That's and they could have served pizza and had like. Fun little th- Easter eggs and in there. Weed is legal in California. They could have had the phone number that you could call, like mm-hmm. a f- phone booth or something inside. Yeah, yeah they missed. Yeah, it. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that whole thing. I didn't really like um, Jonathan's story arc as well. I mean, I understand the, that the he's, in a, he's in a new place and you know he's become a weed head and he's depressed. You got to give him something to do, but and I'll talk more about it at the end. But I just wasn't real impressed with that whole thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you mentioned there's some Easter eggs that pop up in the show of actual numbers. You usually get a 555 number in these shows. Um, a lot of series and, and movies have started to add these Easter eggs in as kind of marketing ploys, which is funny because that's what I did with Stranger Things and It like four or five years ago where I had real numbers you could call and like interact with the property. And they're starting to do that now. Um, a prime example, this was Surfer Boy Pizza. You could call the phone number. And Argyle will answer, and it's kind of a recording. You know, you don't get to talk with them or interact, but it's still kind of a fun extra thing because you sure. can call the number on the car, on the actual mm-hmm. van. Um, you can also call the FBI number that they get from the uh, FBI agent that dies. He's got the phone number. that They right. find out that they gave him inside the pen. Um, it just goes to a fax machine type of number. I got to think there's something else there, like a Morse code or something within that, because it feels kind of like fax internet number. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a hidden meaning behind that, and I'm sure if I look deeper on the internet, they've considered this. Right. Either it exists or it doesn't. But still fun when films and series find ways to interact beyond the screen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, that's fantastic. Part of, fun. Part of that's the fun, for sure. stuff that I love like that. Um, all right, let's wrap up season four thoughts, because I want to get into season five rumors quickly, and okay. then move on to some Duffer Brother news. Season four. Oh man, yeah, I got some. JD just I, pulled out a book I, uh, of notes. Wrote down here. Okay, let's hear. Um, first of all, I think that Stranger Things season four was the best season so far. Uh, yeah, I'd agree and, with that. And I and I thought that while watching it, but the main reason I thought that while watching it is because I didn't remember the other three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time. Uh, it's point. been a long time. I, I actually went back and watched the last two episodes of season three okay. before I went into four, just as a refresher. Cause and, yeah, and, I, and I was watching, and as we're talking, uh, more things came up that I remember now, but hmm. man, these these shows, all shows, just have so much time in between them nowadays. Yeah. It's so difficult. Unless uh, they film concurrently for like Yeah, it's so, it's so hard to, to remember. And Netflix does this cool thing where they give you the recap before sure. you start, yeah. which is awesome, but man, it's just so hard. Uh, but it was really good. Um, pros. Vecna, Eddie, Dustin, Steve. Loved it all. These these characters can't couldn't agree more. Can't go wrong. I like the expansion on Sadie Sink's character too. Yeah. Max did a good job yeah, as well. Max. Absolutely. Uh cons. Mike, Will, Jonathan, Weedman. Uh <laughs> and Eleven trying to find her powers. We kinda talked about that. Those You didn't uh, like Eleven trying to find her powers? 
No, when like, she was was it the, just too long? Was or? she in the dive? Yeah, just, sure. It, sure. It, it drug out. Yeah. Like I said, Vecna kept um, repeating the same thing over and over, and then it was like a weird mental maze, which is fine for like an episode. But then it goes like two episodes, and it's like, oh, okay. My I think gosh. there's a delicate balance between how much do we need to set up, right, and kind of immerse you in the storyline, yeah, versus like, well, that happened too fast, yeah, like. It's a balancing act for they, sure. They took their time with this, and I appreciate that, but it just, man, it kind of drug on a little bit. Mike, Will, and Jonathan and Weedman's um, story arc was awful. Their side adventures? Awful. Just <laughs> terrible. Why, what was up with that house that they went to in Utah? Oh, it was like, Why was there like a kid with a sword? I, and well, I took it as it was they're Mormons, and there was just a lot of children in the yeah, house. Yeah, but why were they all like out of control that's almost uh that's just children yeah it's uncanny (laughs) that's just children i don't think i think that was a little unrealistic like the kid was unplugging the power i mean yeah and then it was definitely what comical that was scene for sure that 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 felt forced to me though some comedy in this in this uh season felt forced yeah our uh weed man it felt and jonathan being high it just felt silly felt kind of forced um like I said, my favorite scene was Max escaping uh, Vecna. Sure. Things that don't make sense. Plot holes. You ready for this? Okay, let's throw oh, rocks. So I, I, I watched the, the season. I loved it. But then I started doing some research. I thought I remembered Papa, Dr. Brenner, dying. And I am correct. In season one, he dies. In season one, the Demogorgon attacks the lab, and you see the Demogorgon jump on him. Now, it doesn't show him actually dying. There it is. But <laughs> all the other all the other people around him were already dead, so it's him versus the Demogorgon. And as we see in the Russian gladiator pool, uh, gladiator uh, yeah. arena. No way. So he shouldn't even be around. So that whole thing is ridiculous. See, again, I'd have to go back and watch that to even remember the scene. And then think about this. It's just this. been so long ago. I haven't rewatched yeah. season one since I watched season So he one. should be dead. And then think about this. Hmm. In season four, he has a scar, right? From when he oh, was attacked yeah. by Vecna or uh, the Hawkins massacre. Yeah. He was hit yeah. with a, what was it, a toilet seat? I don't know. Was it a um, scar or was it just a scratch? Well, it was a scar because he had it, it in it season stayed. four. He, it happened in the flashback oh, okay. and he had it in yeah. season four. But if that's true, he would have had it in season one and he didn't. Oh, yeah, because all that stuff happened before season one. Or at least season, yeah. So he didn't have yeah. the scar. So there's a plot hole. Mm. Um, Hopper, at the end, becomes Conan the Barbarian. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> I agree. I hated that. He picks up that sword when they, well, it was and weird. fights the Demogorgon. It's just awful. It's, it's awful. a little weird in general that the prisoners are given those types of weapons. I don't know, like... I know you're not going to give them guns to fight. Yeah. Thing. Although they had guns. They did have guns, right? I don't think the prisoners did. Okay. Well, because in so. my mind, I'm like, why wouldn't you just shoot the guards right. up top right. that are watching right. you die? Exactly. But yeah, having that Conan the Barbarian knife to it was so cut the ridiculous. Demogorgon in half was because here's the deal. absurd. This guy has spent eight months in a Russian prison. I get it. He's skinnier. He's tougher. He's cut. He's grittier, right? But he still was just an overweight small town cop. 
<laughs> yeah. He was not Conan the Barbarian, nor yeah. will he ever be. But he's been in there so for like a year. You could have a lot of transformation with not much to do in a year. Yeah, and do a manual labor. Do you all of a sudden know how to wield a well, no, not sword that Arnold Schwarzenegger could barely lift? No, but I mean, it's just a sword. You swing it. It's not like it's a mechanical thing you got to go in and really figure out. You just swing a sword. Listen to this. Okay, I'm going to listen. When the message is sent to Joyce saying, hey, this is where Hopper is or Hopper is still alive or whatever, right? Yeah. How does how does he know where she lives? Oh, Enzo. She left. Enzo? She left after he supposedly died. Oh. So he would have no idea where she was. Hopper. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have no idea where she was. So how'd that note get to her? Yeah, but I mean there's probably How do you feel about that. I assume Enzo probably helped him. How do you feel about that? Maybe. Um But this show needs to be careful. Okay, here comes the setup. Because they are, in my opinion, on the verge, although it's great, I really enjoyed it, they're on the verge of losing a little bit of credibility with me. In what sense do you mean credibility? Hopper, fake death. Sure. Uh, Dr. Brenner should be dead. He's not. Okay, fair Um, point. There is talk of... um, Hold on, do we ever really figure out how Hopper survived that nuclear meltdown. <laughs> yeah, he just was behind the explosion. But I mean... Or exactly. Exactly. So now they are on the verge of bringing Max back because all of a sudden Eleven has the power yeah, to yeah. bring people back. Be careful here. You, you, I, you're, you're, you're losing some credibility. There's no stakes involved because now everybody just comes back to life. Eddie, his death, very heartbreaking. Coming back. But there's a rumor that he's coming back. Yeah. And how? It's awful. Is he just well according in the upside to, down alive? According to D and D experts, okay, there is a character Elixir. called Cass the Vampire, who is the assistant of Vecna, who eventually turns on him and kills him. And they're thinking that spoiler alert, Eddie will be that guy. Oh, uh, and that he'll he's... be transformed into this evil being, and then oh, because he got bit by all the bats, they will right. Oh, uh, wow, that's a big spoiler. And, and I mean that's that's fine. <laughs> that's that's all fine and dandy, but be careful. That's a but be careful because 11 bringing nobody people back. Nobody dies. 11 bringing people back from the dead. 100% agree with you. Having Eddie come back as the vampire though and mm-hmm. kill Vecna is pretty fucking great. If yeah, that's the I, case. I wouldn't mind that's that. That's a great but, turn cuz it's D&D lore. But I, left out of all the other but or, but absent of all the other stuff. Absent of Hopper escaping, absent yeah. of Max not. I mean, come on, we can, we can only have so many fake deaths. I a hundred percent agree with you on that. I had a thought, which is kind of funny because it was right before you brought up the vampire thing. I was like, how do you end something like this? We talked about it on The Walking Dead previously. Uh, like, how do you end a series and not have it be have it feel bad and like underwhelming? One of the whole things like Elon Musk simulation. Someone's been playing a and d game with these characters almost the whole time. Oh, my and you, gosh. And you pull out, and it's like it's all them at the table, but as different people. Oh, man. Around a table, and they're like. That'd be awful. And then Eddie, the vampire, you think cast a spell. You think that'll Vecna? happen? No. Uh, you know, Dexter <laughs> just recently came back. Yep, for like a limited. Yeah. Yeah. And they tried to re redo a horrible finale, and it was better, but still not great. Um <laughs> Man, we 
It's going to be tough. That's that's yeah. It is going to be. It's going to be tough. It's hard it to stick the landing on these things, and I, there's a little part of me that how it ended with death and destruction. Um, we didn't even get into like the piggyback and that gut wrenching scene between Dustin and Eddie, and right. how all that was just like you said. You cried. Yeah. During that, I did. Uh, I actually did cry. I cried during that, and I cried when Dustin was telling his uncle. Yeah, that was. The story, which still makes no sense because the uncle, wouldn't the uncle be like, well, where's the body? I was, yeah, you you would think. You just died in an earthquake. I did think that there was going to be more of a reaction, but I think at that point, you got to think about like uncle who's probably broken down at that point. He keeps having to replace these posters because everything thinks his nephew is a monster and like Mm -hmm. Satan and a murderer. Mm -hmm. And then he finds out like not only is he not all those things, which he already knew in his heart. But he's also a hero, and he's he is dead. He's gone, and everyone's always going to remember him as the bad guy. Yeah, and so I think that's a lot to take in. Like sure. I don't know how else you reacted, and except for just breaking down. Now, I, I mean, I have more que- I would have more questions about what does that mean, and where is he? But yeah, I think that you're just so grief stricken at that point. Those are fantastic scenes, though. Between oh, absolutely. Eddie and Dustin, and then the uncle at the end, and again Dustin really shining. Mm-hmm. Kayla, or um, yeah, Dustin really shining in that moment uh, yeah. as an actor. And just a few more things, Steve, at the end when they're they go into the shelter thing to volunteer, and he's watching um, Robin. Yeah, interact with her love interest. Talk. Yeah, and he's like happy for her and stuff. That was really cool. Yeah, I love the Steve character. That finally paid off. And then. Um, did you hear the news of who they, who the Duffer brothers based Eddie on? No. Eddie, the character, is based on, apparently, Damien Eccles. Damien Eccles was the kid that was accused of the West Memphis Three murders. Really? In Arkansas. Okay. I think it's Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. West that, Memphis, Arkansas. That makes a ton uh, of sense, just in yeah, terms of, like... The, oh, you're satanic, false and you're this, and you're that. Yeah, so... Interesting. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea... Um, I did see that Joe Quinn that plays Eddie uh, actually played the solo yeah. of Metallica. Like he learned pretty, it. That's pretty cool that, that is he pretty went cool. and did that. Yep. And then recently, I think just this week, he got to go backstage at Metallica concert and play the song with them. That's awesome. Master of Puppets. He was sitting there playing a uh, little, little uh, song with them. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. I also thought it was pretty funny that it's a whole new generation of like Kate Bush and Metallica and like uh, people that didn't grow up with that music or Mm -hmm. like didn't, wasn't aware of it. Maybe just didn't listen to it or being introduced to it for the first time. Yeah. And they're like, man, I just listened to Metallica and they kind of sound like, and then they name some band that's been around like five years or something. Little Dicky. Yeah. (laughs) Well, not, not a rapper. Uh, But yeah, they, they mentioned some other band and I was just kind of like rolled my eyes. It's like, come on guys. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's, the best season I think they've had, um, the, I, I think they had new characters that really made a huge impact. Like, it's interesting that you're in the second to last season and you introduce a character that sure. arguably steals right. the season. Absolutely. That's not a part of the core group yeah. that also leaves that season. I just I just hope that they don't give in to the temptation of bringing him back simply because he was so beloved. I think that leave well enough alone... It was a great arc. It was a great character. I think it ended. If that rumor on of him being a vampire note, and turning though, to maybe. me, 
To Maybe. me, that does stick the landing. Maybe. Especially if they wait until like the second to last episode to even realize that that's a storyline that's being yeah, brought back up. And they're like, oh, wait. Yeah. Maybe I, they can hint at it in some we'll way see. that he's still alive. We'll but see how they do it. That final piece but, of it. But next season's the last season, right? Yep, that's it. Well, let's get into to that. We've kind of talked about a lot here. It, this, is a, this is an episode where we honestly could have done an episode on every episode of the show. Sure. We could have done a podcast on every episode. Um, so it's kind of hard to contain within you know, 60 to 70 minutes, but we're trying our best here. Um, and, and to give our pros and cons, what we liked. But now let's talk about what season five might have in store for us. So the Duffer brothers are starting to write the, the new season, season five right now in August. Um, but that that's great news. However, that also means they probably won't start producing it and filming it until sometime in 2023, probably like, spring or summer if i had to guess which likely means we won't have the the season uh finale here season five until 2024 right that's the projection that sucks yeah i get it i understand you want to take time to write it and get it right and that they're doing other stuff now but man these one to two year hiatuses are just brutal like tough man i get a year because you got you know, fall to fall, you know, you've got yeah. that type of thing. But it's it's tough. And two uh, years. And, and like you said, uh, like we mentioned, when you get finally get the, the show. You got to go back and watch other it, stuff. It's easier, I think, with Netflix simply because you can binge watch. Sure. Yeah, uh, it's there. But when you're on like AMC or something and you wait two years come out with a, a next season, I mean, it's, it's so tough or to HBO just even remember. Or... You're trying to catch up, even though you've seen them all. You're trying yeah. to catch up in your mind what's what's going on. Well, so. we mentioned it <clears throat> on the other <clears throat> part one of this, that there's so much content already. Yeah. To have to go back and watch two episodes, because the recaps are fine, but like I really want full context, because there's, right. I mean, there's stuff you're talking about. I've watched every episode of this series. I haven't watched every episode of the series twice right. or recently, mm-hmm. so there's things you bring up, and I'm like, I don't remember, Yeah. because that was five years ago at this point. I don't, I don't remember things, things from season three. Like I had to, like I said, go back and rewatch two episodes of that just for some context going into season four. And with so much to watch, I don't have time for that. Yeah, you just don't. You um, just don't. So you really got to kind of pick and choose, I think, what you're going after. But um, the storyline for season five reportedly will primarily focus on Will Byers, take place entirely in Hawkins, uh, which feels pretty fitting because uh, we started out with Will. This whole thing started with Will in Hawkins, and now, presumably, we're going to echo season one and end it in Hawkins with Will. And Will feels the little itch on his the yeah. back of his neck or something at the end of uh, season four that kind of kind of foreshadows yeah. that he's going to be a big character in season five, probably. And so, yeah, we've mentioned kind of some interesting cameos before and like some fan favorite characters, and I, I'm really curious to see how they handle them moving into season five. Cause reportedly there's not going to be any more expansion of the character base, which That's is good. good. That is good. Millie Bobby Brown <clears throat> somewhat famously recently criticized the Duffer brothers for being, um, kind of softies and not killing off enough people. Right. Cause they've added so many new characters. Yeah. Um, she, she can say that though, because she knows she's not going anywhere until at least the finale. <laughs> right. right. If she's she going to keep anywhere. collecting those paychecks. Yeah. It's uh, kind of funny. You know, 
But so yeah, it's interesting to hear that they're not going to try and expand upon that character base anymore. Um, but we'll see where it goes. By the way, is she overrated? I think she is. Millie? Yeah, I don't think she does a. I, the character of Eleven. I don't think she does a great job. Well, I think I think little... she's one of the weaker actors in really? the in the series. Yeah, I'll I, say I do. this. I do. She's Maybe it's a... the material. I don't know, but yeah. Well. I mean, I think it's the character, because the character is kind of this blank slate, kind of confused little girl that also has supernatural powers. Like, it's a weird character, because, you know, in season three, she almost feels mechanical. Like, she can't quite grasp certain things, and Mm -hmm. she hasn't learned, because she hasn't had education, proper education. So she never, I think, socially developed correctly and she's kind of got some disorders in that sense so i think it stunts her character a little bit right so you're not getting like full range of acting per se yeah you're getting a little more stunted character that's reserved and we see glimpses i will say it's a little weird because you get that but then you get some scenes where she seems advanced yes so i will say that's weird but i think that's just the writing of material yeah, more than more than how she's portraying it. Yeah, I've never seen her anything else, so I don't really know. But. Yeah, she's in like Godzilla, and she's going to be in a few other things. But I'll be curious to see Life After Stranger Things. Yeah, what that and as she gets into older roles, right, where that takes her. But um, some quick news, and we're going to wrap up this part two episode on. Let's talk about the Duffer Brothers and their upside down um, studio announcement. So, what is Life After Stranger Things? We're getting a little bit more of a snapshot of what that means. Um, It's obviously done record numbers for Netflix this season. I'm sure it will continue to do that. Netflix has done a great job marketing it in every way you can think of. Merchandising, um, just pop culture. It's, It's weird that it's become a pop culture thread phenomenon. Everyone watches it or knows about it, even if they don't. Um, but now we're going to see them move on to some things like, uh, it's a talisman. It's a great book. It's a uh, talisman. Peter Straub, Stephen King, great book. Uh, the, the sequel re- is Black House, and that's another great book. The reason I brought that up is because we see Lucas reading it mm-hmm. um, in the final episode. I think to Max, right? To Max at her yeah. bedside. I yeah. was like, wow, that what an incredible Easter egg, because when did they film that? Right. When did they know they were going to be doing this Stephen King project mm-hmm. and be able to have the foresight to put that in there? Or was it just a coincidence? Right. That they're like, well, we want to just put this in as a tribute or a nod of the hat to this story. And then lo and behold, they're, they're doing an adaptation of that 1984 book or novel. You've read that novel? I have. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the particulars, but. You used to do yeah. Tales from the Library? I did. Yeah. Tales from the Library. <laughs> you would give us a little book recommendation. So Talisman, great book. Uh, I remember enjoying it very much. Black House as well, the sequel. Peter Straub, Stephen King, good stuff. Um, the official studio name is Upside Down Pictures. So that will be under that banner. Um, How creative. Uh, I think it'll be really cool to see what they can do with the Stephen King property. Because... It's very hit and miss when people take those on. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Especially when they're TV-based. Not that this is TV-based. Mostly based. miss, let's be honest. Yeah, you're right. I mean, overall, yeah. yeah. There's still something about them, though, that have a draw and appeal, even mm-hmm. if they're not the best movies. Right. Um, I, I would say it, <laughs> like, I like the first chapter, 
better than the second. Oh, me second too. got like second was bad. Kind of kind of ridiculous. Just, yeah. Um, I just didn't like it. There's some things I like, but overall, so I mean, and that's a best case scenario. That did amazing at the box office. It chapter mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the lore and history that already existed. Um, but as we see more and more of these come to life, you know, four or five years ago, it was like Stephen King everything. Uh, and I think we'll continue to see that. But when you have somebody of this quality um, coming off a series like this as one of their first projects, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they can adapt it. Yeah. Um, What's the best Stephen King movie? <sighs> it's got to be The Shawshank Redemption, right? Yeah, that's pretty tough that to That or The Green Mile. I mean, it's got to be one of those because yeah. I feel like more often than not, whenever you ask someone what their favorite movie is, it's like those movies or The Godfather or, you right. know, it's always in the discussion of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it is for me, too. I love The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's not horror based, per se, but it's certainly dark. We'll see if the talisman can um, approach the Ooh. Shawshank Redemption. Man, that's that's tough. Yeah. Might not even approach the room. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh. That's a pretty low bar uh, to figure out. All right, we're going to wrap up part two here of our Comic-Con and Stranger Things edition. Thanks for hanging in there with us in this. You're tearing me apart, Tim. Oh, my God. I'll have to cut that out. That's too loud. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see on the playback. Um, but, yeah, we want to say thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to ask us questions on Twitter. Uh, use the hashtag AskTheCreeps. At, I like it. Ask the creeps at downright creepy. Um, ask us questions for the creep cast. And if we get enough of them, we'll do a little segment on the show. Um, Send us the song that you would play to escape Vecna. There it is. There's the first one. We're asking you a question. You need to reply to that. Uh, and maybe the best uh, answer we'll get a t shirt, downright creepy t shirt. We'll see. Um, you can follow us at downright creepy on virtually everything Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I am at Casey Canton if you want to follow me. And if you want to follow Jeremy, you will have to stalk him. I've uh, had enough of this world. Please don't. <laughs> he says, no, thank you. Uh, all right, that's all we got. I think on uh, next episode, we're going to talk about the Black Phone uh, and your L.A. museum and tourist adventures mm-hmm. that were heavily baited in horror. Yeah, yeah. Certain portions of it were, absolutely. Yeah. Well, actually, all of it. L.A. is one big horror show. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, on that note... Visit LA.com, probably. And we will see you on the next episode of the Creepcast. Thanks for listening.